Welcome to church on a Wednesday evening. Wonderful to have a midweek service, isn't it? Week peaks, and we have a church meeting, and the Lord carries us through the rest of the week. So, hallelujah. Let's, uh, let's all bow our heads and look to the Lord in prayer for the word, for the reception of our hearts, and for the preacher to share the message God has to share. Thank you, Father. Yes, Jesus, Lord, help us to hear your word tonight and respond to your word, O Lord Jesus, O Lord God. Prepare our hearts, help us to respond to the Holy Spirit, O God. Help us to hear your voice, O Lord Jesus, not my voice, but your voice, Jesus. Have your way tonight, Lord, everyone here and everyone listening. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Welcome to those of you who are watching online as well. Glad you could join us. So um, we're going to start off with a few scriptures. I'm not going to dig deep into these scriptures. I'm just going to go through some concepts that are repeated a lot in the Word of God. So let's go to uh, James 4, 7. Just going to read a few scriptures, and then I'm going to talk and get into some more scriptures, and then I'm going to talk some more. I guess that's what this is all about. Praise God. Hallelujah. James 4, 7, very well-known scripture. And I'm going to emphasize the first part of that, which says, James 4, 7, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And the word for submit here is a Greek military term, meaning to arrange in a military fashion under the command of a leader. And it's used in the secular world to mean a voluntary attitude of giving in cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Now, let's go to Romans 6.13. I'm going to read a few verses there. Romans 6.13. The title of tonight's message is Wave a White Flag of Surrender to God. We're going to talk about that. Romans 6.13. Paul writes here, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience, leading to righteousness. Verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Amen. And then one more, ch- ch- one more verse in Romans while you're there. Romans 12.1, just laying a little foundation here with you while you're in Romans, Romans 12.1. So submit yourselves to God. Present your members to God, even as you do as a slave would do. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And of course, brethren, when you make a sacrifice, you know, when you donate something or you help somebody, 
and you make, or you make a sacrifice in the temple, when you do that, it's gone. You give it up. It's never going to come back to you again except by the blessing of God. You let go of that. And the Bible says here that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice to God, to let go of them to God. So from these scriptures, we see this idea of submitting to God, yielding to God, presenting yourself to God, arranging yourself under God's as soldiers, under a leader, offering yourself as a slave to God's will versus your own will, even a sacrifice of ourselves giving completely to him. So tonight on this, in this part of the series on being a disciple of Jesus, I want to share about the idea of surrendering to our lives to God fully in the sense of, which is captured in these scriptures. Surrendering to God is such an important part of true discipleship. It is a wonderful thing which yields the blessing of tremendous peace and rest and contentment. You know, these are only a few of many scriptures that express giving ourselves to God. You know, peace happens, brethren, after we surrender. Just like in war, right? Just like in war. Peace is achieved after one of the parties surrender. You think of at the end of World War II, all around the world, all around the world at the end of World War II, the headline was peace in hundreds of newspapers. And underneath it, it said, Japan has surrendered. And that yielded peace in the world. For humans, it is the step that gives us peace to surrendering to God. And it makes us truly useful to God when we surrender to him. Let's look at this contrast. Let's go to John 15, 5. And I'm going to emphasize the end of this verse. Tonight is about surrendering to God. It's a wonderful thing to surrender to God. Jesus said in John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. For without me you can do nothing. Now let's contrast that with what it says in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. By the way, I'm Brother Don Cullen for anyone who doesn't know me. I share here every other Wednesday evening. It's my privilege to do so. And I will continue to do so by the grace of God. Hallelujah. As long as he keeps feeding me, I'll keep feeding others. Praise God. Actually, yesterday morning I was in prayer, being fairly certain that this was not going to be the message I was going to preach about. I was going to preach about a completely different message. And the Lord gave me this message. And once I got this message, it just flowed. The other one was an uphill battle, but this one just flowed. So I pray the Lord's anointing is on this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Here Paul writes, Not that I speak in regards to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, isn't that interesting? Over here, it says, without me, you can do nothing. And over here, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a pretty cool contrast. How do we journey from being able to do nothing to being able to do 
all things in Christ and through Christ? I believe the answer lies in surrendering completely to God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. The idea of surrender is such an important topic for Christians who truly desire to hear from their master someday. What, is, what are the words we all long to hear someday? Well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And in order to be faithful like that and good like that, we must connect ourselves with God's faithfulness. Without him, we can do nothing. We cannot be good on our own. We cannot be faithful on our own, just as the branches cannot bear fruit if they're cut off from the vine. And surrender is allowing the Holy Spirit to live out the life of Christ through us because we have surrendered to him. And as I said, this is such an important concept for Christians. And later on, I'm going to use some illustrations to to really carve this out and to explain this uh, to you. I hope they'll work in, in terms of that. If you remember last time, I put up a screen, uh, a matrix on the screen with all these different topics we learn as disciples of Jesus. And this one tonight, just think of this, up on the screen, a box called Surrender to God. Surrender to God. Tonight we're going to fill in that box on surrendering to God a little bit. And you know, this message is for Christians, but it's also for anyone who has not taken that first step of surrendering to Jesus. If you have not surrendered to God yet, if you've not taken that first step, Jesus is saying to you tonight, today is the day of salvation. Today is the, is the day that you can enter into the rest of God. God's peace for your soul and rest is available to you through Jesus tonight, today, within this hour, now. And how can I say that so confidently, that God wants you today to follow him and surrender to him? Because the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. You know something? It's always today in God's view. It's always now in God's view. It's always today for you to turn to him. It works at all times. It is always good to turn to God. It always pleases God. When you turn to God, the Lord is more blessed. The angels in heaven are more blessed that you turn to God than anything I've done in sharing this message or anything leading up to this message or any of the other ones who do not need repentance. The angels in heaven rejoice when you turn to God. It gets heaven's attention. And peace from God begins with surrendering to Jesus. You know, God made you with a free will. And you can choose to either accept him, surrender to him, make peace with him, or reject him. Choose him and you will benefit so much. Reject him and you will not have him as your rock and your rest in this life, and certainly not in eternity. The Bible says he is near even at the door of our hearts. If you have not surrendered to him, or if Christ is in you, but you have been lately shutting him out in some area. Tonight's message is to prompt all of us to surrender to God. You know, there's a Christian band, just, just going to mention them because I remember their song. It's called King and Country. I don't know anything about these guys. It's a Christian band. But I remember this one song from them, and it was called Burn the Ships. And some of the words are, and I'm going to tell you a little story about this song. How did we get here? All cast away on a lonely shore. 
It goes on to say, we've got to burn the ships, cut the ties, send a flare into the night, say a prayer, turn the tide, dry your tears and wave goodbye, step into a new day. We can rise up from the dust and walk away. We can dance upon the heartache, so light a match, leave the past, burn the ships, and don't you look back. So I looked up what was behind that song. It's kind of an odd song, right? I mean, burn the ships, what does that mean? Well, you may not know this, but this song was based on the words of a sailor and explorer. When he sailed to the New World, he sensed in his men when they, when they arrived that they were reluctant to go into the jungles and to go on their mission. And they actually were threatening to mutiny, to return to the ships and sail off in the ships. And so when all of the men were off the ships, he sent up a flare and his generals set the ships on fire. They set the ships on fire so that there would be no path to get home. Imagine that. Some people would say that's crazy, right? Or bold or brave. He burned down the ships that would take them back to Europe. And so the songwriter actually had gone through a time with his wife. His wife, during one of her pregnancies, had a bad addiction to uh, the medication that killed her nausea. She became very addicted to that. And so she got some help for that. But there came a time when she returned home that she just came to her husband with the bottle of pills that were helping her, so to speak, and she said, it's time to dump these down the drain. It was time to burn the ships. It was time to burn the ships. Set a fire, send a flare up to God, and ask for his help alone. And that's what they did. And it became a testimony, and it became a song. So God has before you a great journey, but he's asking you to burn the ships. Leave the past and follow Jesus. But unlike the explorer who made the decision for his guys, you have to make that decision for yourself because you're a free will agent, like I said already. But step into a new day. Send up the flyer to God. We can rise from the dust and walk away. How do, how do we do this? Well, you know, God has made it very simple. He hasn't made it easy, but he's made it very simple. You know, nothing good in life is easy, right? Nothing worth pursuing is easy. Whether it's education or career or a hobby that you excel in, everything good in life takes work. But Jesus has still set out a simple plan for us. And it does begin with us saying words to him, but then actions and living out what you begin with him. He said, take up your cross and follow him. That's no light thing. But to enter into God's rest, we need to confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead. That's the beginning of that path. And we turn from our sins and we turn from our moral failures and our rebellion and our pride and we turn to the Lord. We do 180 degree and I, we say to ourselves, I'm going to surrender to Jesus and follow him. And a wonderful new journey begins. And it can begin tonight for you. Forgiven of all your sins with your past wiped clean. You can begin a new journey in Jesus. He'll give you a new start. He'll give you a new heart when you begin to follow Jesus. And you're going to have the opportunity to do that later tonight, along with Christians as well who may want to respond to this message. But this is as much a message for the Christian as those who need God's rescue plan. And now for the Christian who are on that journey already, brethren, brethren, I've been around the kingdom a long time. I've experienced a lot of stuff personally. There can be sticking points in our relationship with God. 
Maybe we once surrendered completely to him. But over time, there have been impediments to your further surrender. Maybe other loves have entered your life. The Bible warns against the possibility to Christians of idols. These are all sticking points in our lives. Our hearts and our ears and our fingers can get sticky. And we start picking up things from the world. And those things are stubborn. You ever get stuff all over your hand, both your hands, and then you're trying to get the stuff off your hands with your sticky hands? Doesn't work out too well. We can get like that with our hearts. Perhaps we love this world we live in at times, or the things of this world, or sometimes people of this world in the wrong way, or busyness, or distractions, or making money, or success, or fears, hurts. Maybe some hurtful things have happened to you, and you're somewhat frozen in your relationship with God because you have truly not surrendered to Him those things. You're stuck in some area and unsurrendered. And because of those obstacles, your peace and rest has gone by the wayside. Remember, peace and rest go along with surrender. Or maybe you have some rooms of your heart that you have not surrendered to him. But you know, even as I talk about surrender, that there are areas that were surrendered to Jesus once, but you have now reclaimed for yourself. We've all been there. Me too, at times. So tonight I want to talk about complete surrender to Jesus, what this looks like. And for the Christian, what lack of surrender means. Lack of surrender looks and feels like lack of peace and lack of rest and lack of contentment. It could also look like apathy. It could also look like apathy. And complete surrender looks and feels like the greatest level of peace and rest that you can possibly experience and the greatest contentment, despite your circumstances. When a man is out of the will of God or is unsurrendered to him, the Bible describes this as striving with the Holy Spirit or grieving the Holy Spirit. And you know something, brethren? If the Holy Spirit is grieved, we're grieved too because he resides in our hearts as Christians. That friction between your spirit and the Holy Spirit takes away peace and rest. And when you are surrendering to God, there is peace and life in Jesus. There is rest in Jesus. When you are surrendered to God, you are growing like a branch that is attached to the vine and producing fruit. You know, Dr. Bonar, the the Scottish preacher, author, and hymn writer, he once wrote, he could tell when a Christian was growing. As he grew, he would elevate Jesus more and talk less of what he himself was doing. And he would become, the person would become smaller and smaller in his own opinion until he would fade away, he said, like the morning star before the rising sun. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Are you shrinking in yourself and growing in Christ? I put this quote on my Facebook page yesterday from Hudson Taylor, the missionary to India, the the wonderful missionary to India. He said this, doesn't this say a lot? When the heart submits, then Jesus reigns. When Jesus reigns, there is rest. Boy, that says a lot right there. True words. And here I'm using the word submit synonymously with surrender. I want to always be submitting to God 
Even when it does not feel right to me, so to speak. Even when I, oh, this is going to be tough, but I'm going to submit to God. Certainly, I want to acquiesce to do His will. But you know something, brethren? Better than submitting to God is surrendering to God. Submission is great, don't get me wrong. But, but submission is a great starting place, but surrender is even better. I'm going to give you an illustration of this. Imagine you had to get somewhere far away quickly. And the only way to do that was to fly. But you hate flying. So you could just choose not to go. I'm not going. Just not going. Just not going. Not going. Not buying a ticket. Not going. That would be not submitting or obeying, so to speak, right? You're just going to not do it. But let's say you are willing to submit and go on the plane even though you hate it. Because you really needed to get that pl- to that place. Let's call it obedience. So you submit to the process, but the whole time you're going, you're white-knuckled. You're miserable. You won't open the shade on the airplane to look out the windows. You won't talk to your neighbor. You refuse the generous portion of peanuts and the small, tiny drink that they give you. You're so miserable. You're just so locked on. Oh, you're submitting. You're going but it's no pleasure whatsoever. But let's say you go further than that. Instead of submitting to the process, you go further. You let go. You surrender. Knowing that, why? This airline has never had a failure. We have a wonderful pilot with 30 years experience, and his co-pilot has 25 years experience, and the crew that maintain the plane is crackerjacked, and you have no reason to worry about this flight. So instead of submitting to the flight, you just surrender to the flight. And you go on the plane, and you chat with your neighbor, and you read a book, and you open up the window, and you look at the clouds. You've surrendered to that trip. And that blesses you instead of being white-knuckled. And you get to your destination and you accomplish the thing that you have to accomplish. And that just came to my mind as I was thinking about not obeying, submitting, or surrendering. We should be surrendering to Jesus. We can trust God because he's 100% reliable. We can trust him with our lives. We can trust him with our eternity. We can trust him to work all things to our eternal good. Do you believe that tonight? Do you think God has something up his sleeve? When he's 100% light, he's 100% good, he's 100% truth? And the author of all those good things? He only wants the best for us. Jesus loves us enough to die for us, the Bible says. And having done that, will he not give us all things that pertain to life and godliness? You can trust him. So he wants us surrendering. That's what he wants from us. Obeying, yes. Submitting, yes. But trusting him and surrendering to him. In those verses we covered in John 15, 5, for without me you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. What does that mean? Well, the first thing is, of course you can do stuff. Without God, you can definitely do stuff, right? Man went to the moon. I don't think, they didn't, they they didn't seem like a praying group of scientists, but they sent someone to the moon. Interestingly, that was like 60 years ago. And even though our phones have as much computer power as the entire NASA complex, They've not been successful, really, in sending back live people to the moon since then, to my knowledge. I mean, since the last trip there. 
That's really interesting, isn't it? Everything else has moved ahead by light years. Anyway, man can do things. They built the Eiffel Tower. They built the Great Wall of China. They built the pyramids. Man can do stuff. Man can do war. Man can hurt things. Man can destroy things, right? Build weapons of mass destruction, nuclear weapons, etc. Men can do stuff, but what Jesus is talking about here is eternal stuff, good stuff. (laughs) Without Jesus, we're not going to produce anything that has a heavenly value. From a heavenly point of view, from an eternal point of view, without Jesus, we can do nothing. Nothing that's going to count, nothing that's going to last, nothing that's going to produce a reward. Through Jesus, we can do all things. That's what it said in Philippians. Philippians 4.11. Again, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. By the way, Paul is writing this from prison, my understanding is, right? He's on his way to Rome. I think he has an idea that it will cost him his head. But here he is with God's peace, fully surrendered to God's will. It's a wonderful thing. Ministering. He's on the plane, right? What's he doing when he's on the plane, so to speak, right? He's ministering to the Praetorian Guard. He's ministering to people along the way. Is that a submitted man or a surrendered man? That's a surrendered man. Praise God. That's what surrender does. The obstacle that we face in our surrender to God is our free will. You know, Jesus had a will within his own human personality, even though he was fully God and fully man. The Bible shows us that. Let's go there. Let's go to Philippians 2. You know, Jesus' submission to God's plan started in heaven. He had to agree in heaven before he came down to earth. Philippians 2.6. You've, you've studied this in home fellowship if, if you've been going. Wonderful unit on Philippians. Really enjoying it. Philippians 2. I'm going to miss Philippians. Philippians 2, verse 6. Here it is. Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross. And during Jesus' ministry, what did he teach us when he taught us the model prayer? Thy will be done. What did he say in the garden? Let's go there. Let's go to Matthew 26. Jesus is our role model. Let's see what he did with his surrender to God. Matthew 26, verse 39. He submitted in heaven to come down to earth. He took on the form of a man. He taught us to say, thy will be done, Father. Matthew 26, 39. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before he died. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then in verse 42, again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. 
And in verse 44, so he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And the cup speaks of what was awaiting for him, the judgment of God on him. The perfect man was going to die for our sins. Jesus did not have a death wish. That's why he was suffering so much in the garden. And what did Jesus receive for his submission to the Father? What did he receive? Resurrection, glorification, sitting at the Father's right hand, all things being put in subjection to him, everlasting rule. That's what Jesus had waiting for him after his submission. And you know something, brethren? Surrendering to God is the smartest thing that one can do in this life. When I look back on my life, I was probably at my dumbest point in life when I made my smartest decision, so to speak. That was just when God inter- interceded with me, right? I was 14 years of age. 14 years of age, you know, you got a lot going on when you're 14, right? That's when God met me. And I've made decisions since then. Probably some of them were pretty good. Some of them were pretty bad, I'm sure. But that was the best decision of my life. That's 100 on the scale of 1 to 100. The rest of my good decisions were single digits. Why should all men submit to Jesus? Or even better, surrender to Jesus? Because it is appointed unto men once to die, the Bible says. After this comes judgment. The Bible says in that same chapter in Philippians 2, right after it talks about Jesus going low and coming down, look what it says in verse 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be no holdouts regarding this statement on the day of judgment. Nope, no NBA stars, no movie stars, Taylor Swift, President of the United States, President of Russia, Genghis Khan, Napoleon, every man, Atheist, agnostic, every man will be saying at that point in time, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every man, no exceptions, not one. Every principality, every power, every demon, the devil himself, Jesus Christ is Lord. Every man, no exception. All will bow to Jesus. But it may not necessarily be to their benefit at that point in time. Life is a test. God has given us this life to choose him, to make decisions toward him during this span of life, whether it's a long life or a short life. So why not submit now to this loving king who is pursuing you while it can benefit you in this life and in eternity? That's what the smart guy does. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 2, verse 12, I'll read it to you. It says, kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. That means surrender to Jesus. If you honor the king in this life, you will be honored in eternity by Jesus. You know those beautiful blessings that 
I just read from Philippians about where Jesus is. If you read the books of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, all those things that Jesus has inherited are, are available to the overcomers in him. If you look at it, he says you're going to sit right in the throne with him. You're going to judge the nations right with him. All the blessings of heaven are going to be yours. So why not surrender today to him? You can go from not being able to do anything from an eternally good point of view to doing good things for heaven. And so Christian also, why would we not surrender all to him? As he reveals areas of our lives that are unsurrendered. Let me read you a, uh, a quote. I think I read it once before. I saved it because it's a really good one. From a man named F.B. Meyer. He was a notable man of God from England, a missionary. And he had this experience very early in his Christian walk. Let me read this to you. I knelt down that night and thought I could give myself to Christ as easily as possible. And I gave him, I gave Jesus an iron ring, a keychain, the iron ring of my will with all the keys of my life on it, except one little key that I kept back. And Christ said, are they all here? I said, they're all here but one, Lord, the key of a tiny closet in my heart of which I must keep control. Jesus said to him, if you don't trust me in all, you don't trust me at all. I tried to make terms. I said, Lord, I will be so devoted in everything else, but I can't live without the contents of that closet. He says here as an aside, I believe, young friends, that my whole life was just hovering on the balance. And if I had kept the key of the closet and had mistrusted Christ, he never would have trusted me with his blessed word. He seemed to be receding from me. And I called him back and said, I'm not willing, but I'm willing to be made willing. It seemed as though he took the key out of my hand and he went straight for that closet. I knew what he would find there, and he knew too. Within a week from that time, he had cleared it right out, but he filled it with something so much better. Why, what a fool I was. He wanted to take away the sham jewels to give me the real ones. He just took away the thing which was eating out my life, and instead he gave me himself. Isn't that a beautiful testimony? And he went on to be a a wonderful missionary for the Lord. And that's what God is aiming at in our lives. Can't we surrender it to him tonight? Let me further explain. Why is God so much better than our own ways? I'm I'm telling a few stories here in a row. I read a story of a famous violinist. They advertised concerning the concert that he was going to play. This is many years ago. He was going to play on a $1,000 violin, which was like a, you know, it's like a million-dollar violin today because of inflation, right? (laughs) It's like a million-dollar violin. So he played. People came out. The place was packed. He played. The people were enthralled. That was amazing. That That was unbelievable how beautiful that was. And at the end of the concert, he took the violin, and he threw it on the stage, and he smashed it. He stomped on it. And the people were like, oh, what did he just do? What did he just do? He just smashed the violin. And they were panicking and freaking out. And then his manager came out and said, relax, everybody. He didn't smash the $1,000 violin. He smashed a $20 violin. He wanted to show you that the talent and the beauty was not in the violin. It was in the master that was playing it. 
So then he took his $1,000 violin and he played a few more songs. And most people couldn't even tell the difference because he was so good that he could play it like that. Isn't that an interesting story? And so God is like that himself. He takes a $20 violin and he makes beautiful music from it. Not because of the inherent value in that object, but because of his skill in the lives of those who surrender to him. Unlike the violin, he does not smash it. He treasures them. You know, you're not loved, brethren. I'm not loved because of my intrinsic value. We're not million-dollar violins. You know, some things are loved because they are valuable. And you love those things because they're valuable to you. But some things are valuable because they are loved. Think of a baby. Think of a little kid that has his blankie and his binky, right? And his little stuffed animal that he drags around everywhere he goes. What are those things worth? They're worth something because they are loved. And that's the way God is with us. He loves us because of who he is. And the love he puts on us gives all of us a value that the Bible says you cannot purchase a man's soul with money. That's how valuable we are because of the love that God puts on us. And that's why we should surrender to him because he will do beautiful things with the $20 violins, (laughs) praise God. The Bible says in Job, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. In Isaiah it says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of, of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness. God gives beautiful things to people that surrender to him. And the only thing, the only impediment to the will of God being done fully in our lives is complete surrender to him. Can we work on that tonight? You know, a young man, here's another little story, a young man who was struggling to let the Lord have his way in his life. He knelt to pray. He had been told to stop trying to do everything himself in his own strength you know, fighting temptation on his own. He was instead told, let God do the work for him. Stop operating in your own strength and let God help you. So he was inspired to try that. So he took cardboard and he cut out the letters, L-E-T-G-O-D, let God, and he put it on the wall above the place he prayed. And he, and he got down to pray and he, he, he didn't feel like he was breaking through. And I've done this myself at times. And he got up in frustration and he left the room and he slammed the door. And then he came back later on and they opened the door and the slamming of the door had knocked the letter D off the wall. And it said, let go, let go. And he realized that was a message from the Lord. He said, he got down and he said, God, I'm gonna let go. I'm gonna let go like you're saying right here. And he did, he surrendered to God. That's the surrender that he's looking for. You know, often we fear letting go. I'm gonna tell you two more quick stories. Again, I'm trying to give you the sense. How do you explain surrender? I'm trying to give you a sense of what the word means. Two more quick stories. There's a story of a guy who let let a rope down into a well. The well had gone dry. And he wanted to go down and do some work on it at the bottom. So he thought he had a good length rope. He tied a knot in the bottom. He he dropped it over the side. He went down into the well to do the work. He gets to the knot. He reaches around with his foot. He can't feel the bottom. He starts to panic. 
He's like, what am I going to do? So he tries to climb up the rope. He can't get up the rope very far. He slides back down to the knot. He's hanging on with all his might. You ever watch Ninja Warrior when they're hanging on with all their might? He's hanging on with all his might. His muscles are spazzing out. I can't hold on anymore. I'm going to drop to my death. He let go. He fell three inches to the floor of the well. He was safe. He didn't have far to drop. How far is it tonight for you to have to drop into God's arms? How far of a drop is it? Is he asking you to drop 1,000 feet, 500 feet, 1,500 feet, or three inches? Is he not right there? Is he not nearby? Let me tell you one more account of a highly regarded British general, General Gordon. They called him China Gordon. He had a long military service in China, over 33 campaigns. He was a Christian man. When he finally retired from the service, they offered him titles, money, and land. He refused it all. All he would take, he accepted a gold medal from them, upon which the 33 campaigns that he fought in were listed on the gold medal, and thanks from the queen. And he treasured that. After his death, the medal could not be found. Finally, it was learned that he had sent the medal to Manchester during a famine so that it could be melted down to buy bread for the starving poor. In his diary for that day, he wrote, the last and only thing that I had in this world that I valued, I have given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, what is the medal in your life? that you need to surrender to Jesus tonight? What is the room that needs unlocking by giving the master the key? What is the ship that needs to be burned so that you don't go back? Is there something that you have previously held on to that you can place at the foot of the cross, Christian, that you can surrender to Jesus so that you might find the deep peace and rest that only comes from complete surrender to him? It's so worth it. I know of what I speak. I only ask, harden not your heart. Stiffen not your neck as Israel did in the wilderness. Maybe it's time to let go and let God operate in that room of your heart, brethren. I'm going to ask the singers to come sing. Because if we can't surrender to Jesus completely on a night like this, when God has sent a word for this purpose, when are we going to do it? If not when, if not now. Right, brethren? Every one of us, we have something in our hearts sometimes that can impede our relationship with Jesus. Let's surrender all we have while we have breath in our lungs so that we can go home to Jesus someday with no regrets, having given it our all. So I'm going to ask the singers to come up and sing a couple of songs. And if there's something you want to pray about and, and, and lay at the altar and, and seek the Lord, that he would give you that complete surrender and healing in your life, I ask you to please come forward and and uh, show your respect for the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit is prompting in your life, if you would. Thank you very much as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.